Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Marsha Van Weinsberg. I'm a business coach, speaker, and author of the best-selling book, When She Stopped Asking Why. On this podcast, we will use the tips, tools, and strategies used by myself and our speakers to break through and overcome the challenges in our lives. When we take radical responsibility of our choices, create boundaries, grow our courage and practice self-care and letting go of what isn't ours to control, we can completely change our stories. When we take full ownership of our stories, we take back our personal power and this allows us to impact, serve and support others by showing them that they are not alone and helping them find freedom from their stories. When you own your choices, you truly own your life. Let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of Own Your Choices on Your Life. And today we are speaking with Marina Bajanova. Marina is a Soviet born, raised in Ukraine, first generation Canadian immigrant. That is incredibly important as she really dives into the power of owning your story, owning your narrative, and using your voice and speaking up. She is an entrepreneur, writer, headhunter, and global public public speaker. She's been featured in Inc.com, Forbes.com, Yahoo News, Financial Post, Fast Company, and Success Magazine. Marina's mission is to help people scale the reach of their voices and to stand up and be heard. And that is really, really important right now as our job market is changing in the links of COVID and what is going on in our world right now. She shares so much in this episode. I strongly encourage you to get a pen and a paper because she really breaks down like how to build a personal brand, how to really own your narrative, how to show up as yourself, allow yourself to be heard, to be seen, how to really step into vulnerability when building your brand. And the content is just so honestly deep and real and honest. And I loved it. I loved our conversation. I know that you'll get a ton of value out of this and I cannot wait to hear your feedback. Sit back and enjoy this episode. I'm so delighted to be interviewed by you, Marsha. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So we're going to get started with some questions so people can get to know who you are and know a little bit more about you. So let's start with where are you from? Oh, the heavy question, you know, <laughs> before, I, so I, I live in Montreal, Canada, and now I'm Canadian, um, but it's really funny. I remember when I was born in the Soviet Union and I grew up in Ukraine. And so I came to Canada with my family after high school at that, you know, awkward age where you just want to be one of everybody. You just want to blend in. You want to fit in. You do not want to stand out in any way. And I applaud any, you know, teenagers that are comfortable with standing out. Most just want to fit in. It's later on in life, we we become comfortable with who we are. And so I remember this literally, Marsha, my accent was so heavy that I would just say hello to people and immediately I would hear, where are you from? (laughs) <laughs> and I would just say, I'm from here. <laughs> like, I'm from here. I live downtown. <laughs> I remember for years being so petrified of that question um, because it's just at hello is what I would hear. So I'm from Montreal, Canada now, but originally I'm from, from Ukraine. 
Awesome. And you know that we have to come back to that message where you said that you didn't want to stand out or didn't want to, you know, be seen. So, which is pretty powerful considering what you do now. Um, are you a reader? Oh, an obsessive reader. And, you know, that's interesting, too, because I wasn't a reader at all when I was growing up. Um, I grew up in a family of academics. And so every summer, instead of just having fun, I was forced to read books and then retell them to my father on very long walks we would take in another language, which was torture. And so it really wasn't. And my sister has um, a PhD in literature. And so every time I would very proudly, when I was in university, tell her I don't like to read she would just you know die inside a little bit um, until she told me you know you just haven't found the right type of books and she she has shifted that you know thinking in me I realized I am extremely passionate about reading um, but reading business books reading nonfiction fiction is not my thing um, so once that shifted in my mind I became an absolutely obsessive reader so yeah that's awesome. We all have different areas of things that we like to read, you know, all of those things. Um, what is a book that has had some impact on you? So many. Um, I would say the book that comes to mind right away is the book called Radical Candor. Um, I first read an HBR article um, that came out before the book. It was quite impactful. You know, I have made that transition from somebody who did not want to speak up or wanted to hide being, you know, fearing the where you're from question um, to somebody who wants to speak up quite a bit. But there's a way um, of being, you know, radically candid, but still empathetic and well received by people. Um, so that's one of the books. There's so many, um, but that one was quite, quite transformational for me. That's awesome. I have to look into that one. Do you happen to have a favorite quote? Yes, my favorite quote right now, and I'm also quite obsessed with quotes and so when I give talks presentations even with my own team they know that I will always try to sneak in a quote um, my favorite quote right now is I come as one but I stand as 10,000 that's beautiful do you know who says that I believe it was Maya Angelou that but I might be wrong that would completely make sense. That's a, I got goosebumps. That's a beautiful quote. And that's a really powerful quote, especially right now, right? As we're in the thick of COVID and isolated. So I love that, that I stand as 10,000. Do you have a mentor who has had an impact in your life? And now it can be somebody you've met, somebody you have not met. It's, there's no right or wrong, but if somebody who's made a difference for you in your life, um, yes, so I did have a mentor when I was still very um, new to the entrepreneurial journey. Um, and, you know, people often ask, you know, are you born an entrepreneur? Are you made an entrepreneur? I recently um, had somebody I was interviewing on a LinkedIn Live who said, like, what, why does it matter? Who cares? And that's true, too. Um, but I believe that I was not born an entrepreneur. So to me, the whole, it, it wasn't a dream to own my own business. You know, the dream was to have a big corporate career, you know, big view and parents come over, take pictures, send back home and say, yeah, has made it. That was the dream. It was not the entrepreneur. Yeah. And it happens. I mean, and, and you know, true story. Um, so entrepreneurship was not a dream at all. And uh, very early on, after my uh, business partner and I co-founded Pronexia, we have a wonderful mentor uh, by the name of George Levesque. 
Um, he was uh, heavily involved, involved with Entrepreneurs Organization, which is the organization we aspired to join. You had to have um, particular type of revenue and growth in order to join. Um, so that was aspirational. He was a mentor. Um, he helped us grow um, incredibly fast, um, learned a lot from him about entrepreneurship. So he's just a real mentor that I had. I certainly follow a lot of thought leaders that I learn a lot from. Um, you know, Sam Horn is one of my favorites right now. Um, a lot of her messaging and just her style resonate with me. Um, I've only virtually met her, so she was, she hasn't been a mentor to me, but mentor with the work that she has done for me. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Can I ask you, before we dive into your story, what is something that lights you up? Like what drives you? Uh, what an interesting question. You know, it's several things. Um, one is um, success. And now you're going to ask me how I define that. And I don't have a clear definition. So I'm opening my own. You, get the words. <laughs> uh, you know, I, um, it's interesting. And I think maybe also an immigrant thing. Um, when I do things and I see that, I don't know, something that I created and it sells or an idea that I had and, you know, there's, um, I'm, I'm seeing it come to fruition. Um, that really drives me. So, you know, when I uh, found that, for example, Influence HR, that's a community of HR professionals, every time a new member joins, um, my, I, I light up. So that's number one. Number two, I'm certainly extremely driven by making an impact on individual people. And, you know, Marsha, for a very long time, and people have said or have heard people say, you know, I want to make a difference. I want to make an impact. I, that the message never resonated with me. And so I thought, you know, I'm probably just not such an amazing person. <laughs> you know, I, I'm a bit, you know, self-focused. I just want to do well and, you know, grow a business, make money and, you know, make an impact on my own family. I realized, however, and then also my core business, which is a headhunting firm, Pronexia, um, well, you know, do we really make an impact? We help companies hire, right? But does that make a true impact? And then people that we place in jobs, well, those, those people would normally find jobs on their own without our help, right? Because those are the people that those recruitment for, that, that those clients would pay recruitment firms a very high fee to get, right? So those people usually don't need help. As soon as COVID hit, um, and I went through this moment of, oh my God, I'm about to lose everything, right? I own a recruitment business, a hiring business. Nobody's going to be hiring for a while. I'm about to lose it all. Spent the weekend just looking at, literally staring at the ceiling and just seeing everything, you know, going away. Um, and then come, I think, Monday or Tuesday said, just all of a sudden started feeling how are other people who lost their jobs, people who are on those temporary layoffs because it's all we were reading at the time. How are they feeling? How are they managing? Um, I, I put a post on LinkedIn. It was really just in the, in the moment, you know, and said, if you need to speak about the job market, I'm here. I'm opening my calendar. Just book a time. Um, and just felt that it was right and also felt that here I am, I would bring value to people. It works in a very different way. I started receiving so much more from the time that I was giving. Um, it felt that I was receiving more than I was giving um, on an emotional level, um, on, you know, the level of impact. So I realized that um, 
I, this is a very new realization. This is literally in the last month, you know, <laughs> thanks to what's happening right now. Um, I realized that I am extremely driven by making an impact, but it's the individual impact on individual people. Um, my, what drives me is not, you know, an ambition to change the world or save the planet. What drives me is when one young woman will send a message on LinkedIn saying our conversation has given me hope um, and has inspired me and you inspire me and I want to keep going. Um, that, that to me these days is what lights me up and uh, what makes me jump out of bed in the morning. Oh, see, I love that. And thank you for being vulnerable to share what those first few days were like. I think that a lot of us went through the, oh my gosh, <laughs> life just changed and it changed in an instant. And it was such a, such a thing to take on. But I love what you shared. And I just want to honor the fact that to me, it's okay to have those days of reflection, but the leaders are the ones that stepped up and said, where can I provide more value? Where can I do something different? Or obviously I have to shift what I'm doing because the world did change. It instantly changed. So what can I do differently? Not poor me. I just lost my business. It's what can I do differently? And that reaching that out, I think is, I commend you for that because I think that that says a lot about you as a leader. And I think that when we make, when you make the individual impact that you set out to do and you get those messages back, that's the ripple, right? That person then, you never know what that person you've inspired to do to create change, what they do. So one person can make a massive impact, right? It's, and I love that as opposed to impacting the entire world. Well, we don't speak to the entire world. I mean, our message doesn't do that. But if we speak and clear what our message is, it can really impact one person who can make a massive impact in other places. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely love that. So obviously impact is a big word and I love what you do and everything that you stand for. We talked a lot about the first time we had a conversation about our personal brand, how it's important, who we are at the core, being able to share that. That is obviously something that you have, you can teach so well because it is something you have done yourself. So I would love it if you would share a little bit about your story, who you are, and why that owning that personal brand is so important. I love talking about personal branding so much. Um, and I know you know that it has become a bit of a buzz phrase, right? Um, we can, you know, ship it and say it's our professional brands that we're working on. And then this will sound like a completely, you know, conversation on a completely um, new topic. Um, so the reason that um, I'm very passionate about the concept of personal branding and sharing what I know and what I've experienced with other people is this. So I came, as I mentioned to you, to Canada after high school. And um, is, I, I have a lot of other stories to share there where, you know, I remember being in Canada at the age of 16 and really feeling, you know, I can speak up. This is democracy. Um, those words, you know, when I have those flashbacks and I'm remembering being in CJEP and sitting in the classroom and thinking in my 16-year-old head, this is what democracy feels like. Um, in the moment, it felt, it felt normal. Right now, it trips me up. It sounds, it sounds like a strange thought for a 16-year-old to be happy. Having. 
Um, but so I really wanted to, you know, speak up. I wanted to share my opinions. I am very opinionated, um, but realized that it was difficult to do because there there is a lot of bias um, against immigrants. There's a lot of bias in society. It's just it's just what it is. It's the truth. And I also felt that when you have an extremely heavy accent and people have trouble understanding what you're saying, um, they're not necessarily, you know, we, I did have the right to speak up, but other people were not so keen on listening at the time. And I felt that quite acutely. Um, I went to university. I got a degree at McGill in business. We were told throughout our studies um, that we would get these amazing prestigious jobs. Um, you know, according to our professors, the entry level uh, salary for a McGill Business School grad was $60,000. Not true. <laughs> so Jenny students listening. And that was a while back. It's still not true. At that time it was really not true. And then I graduated with a degree in marketing. I started looking for a job in marketing and I couldn't even get as much as an interview. And I was wondering why. And at the time also, um, you know, it's it's important to acknowledge that when did I graduate? 2004, 16 years ago. And so marketing was very different. It was not the marketing today where, you know, if you're very strong on social, if you understand social, then you're, you're considered for a marketing job. At the time, it was all about advertising. It was all about kind of understanding current realities um, and understanding, you know, the market where with the last name of Bejanova. Um, that was not the association <laughs> that people had, not, you know, the marketing pro that somebody wanted to hire. I didn't know that at the time. I just knew that I had a very hard time getting a foot in the door. I ended up getting uh, jobs in sales, you know, those boiler room style, 150 calls a day. Um, soul sucking, you know, you cry every morning because you don't want to go in, but then you do. And then fell into recruitment by complete, complete chance. And, you know, Marsha, I remember when my uh, manager at the time, supervisor manager, was training me. And I had my job was to go on monster.com, print out a whole bunch of CDs that matched the keywords of the search, bring all of the resumes to him, and then we would sort them out together. And he would tell me yes, no, why, so that I would understand how to, you know, do those searches better. And so we were going through the CDs together and said, by the way, rule number one, we take resumes of people with names that we have a hard time pronouncing and we put them to the bottom of the pile. Oh my gosh. And I just sat there and I stared at him and just like my mouth was open, my eyes were wide open. I just stared and there was silence and he stared back and then he goes, Oh, Marina, of course I don't mean somebody like you. Oh, which is that um, like you. Okay. Exactly. It means nothing, right? But it just means that, well, I know you and you're smart and you're, you know, whatever, you're a hustler. So somebody like you is good. But I just assume that somebody with a name that's hard to pronounce might not be that. Um, and so I remember and I, and I thought, OK, well, that explains why I had such a such a hard time getting put on the door. There was all this bias. And then I heard similar things from clients. Marina, can you send me resumes of people who are from here? And I would say they're from here thinking that the hiring manager assumed that I'm sending her people who live overseas. And she said, no, 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 no. I just mean, do you not have people with like local people, like people from here, here with names that are from here? And I would tell her, um, but madame name, I will not share. I should start sharing it. Um, but I, and I said, but you're saying it to me. Have you seen my last name? And same thing, Marsha. <laughs> and same thing. 
but Marina, of course, I don't need somebody like you. Somebody like you, I would hire in an instant. And so then I realized that, you know, when you face any type of bias, and I'm talking about immigrant bias and based on names, but there is bias against people because of their age. You're too young. That means ABC. You're too old. That means XYZ. Um, for a woman, you can just never be the right age because either you were too young or you're about to have kids or likely you do have kids or now you have too many kids. So you're not ambitious. <laughs> never. You know, you're just as a woman, you just can never fit the category. But um, there's just so much bias. And I realized that people uh, will make those assumptions regardless. They don't know that you are like you, you until they know who you are beyond your name, your age, your skin color, et cetera, et cetera. And so for me, when LinkedIn became a thing and I realized that I could build my own personal brand, which at the time we didn't call it that, but that I could control my narrative. I could share things um, that would make people realize that I am like Mimi, um, that it would be, it would be a game changer. And it was, um, you know, all of a sudden my name didn't matter because people realized through my content that I, 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 I am eloquent, um, that I can speak, that I, you know, can be on video, that I am a certain way that I wanted to portray who I am and, and be authentic. And so I realized that it is so powerful. It's been so powerful for me to, you know, democratize the playing field for me to own my narrative, uh, for people to, for me to overcome that bias, for people to know me as me, um, that it is something extremely powerful that I can also um, help other people uncover about themselves and then own their narrative as well in a way that is powerful, impactful, and brings them to the outcome that they need, be it on the job market or people who want to you know, be speakers or people who want to just develop a strong thought leadership brand. It can be useful for so many different ways. There's so much in there, and I absolutely loved how you shared so much there. Um, you caught me off guard a couple times because I can just see it and feel it and really understanding how real those biases are. It's, it's I just almost want to say I'm sorry because I just, that's the Canadian in me is like, I'm sorry. That's really not right. <laughs> sorry to say it. Um, how do you teach people? to own their narrative, to control their narrative, to be in that space of, like, I talk a lot about owning stories and, you know, owning exactly who we are. So I love how you said narrative and owning and controlling that. And you did exactly that with LinkedIn. It's, it's the beauty of how that platform really became available at that prime time. And you went, you know what, I'm going to do this. And I think that you've taken that space and it's beautiful. So how do you teach others how to do that? Um, and before I reply, which is a great question, um, I um, thank you for your apology. <laughs> uh, but just to say, uh, bias is, um, you know, unfortunately, we all carry bias, right? Um, you know, as much as I denounce bias, I speak against it, um, I do have my own forms of bias, right? We form our opinions and conclusions before knowing more, just because it's easier and it's quicker, right? Um, so also to say um, that, you know, the Canadian society has been phenomenal to me, and, I'm, um, and you know, certainly comparing to how I, how I grew up, right, um, yeah. does not even compare. But bias is unfortunately something that we all face, but also something we're all guilty of. So that's, that's important to say. Um, how does one build a personal brand? So a few steps. Number one, um, well, number one, self-awareness. 
you really do need to know who you are, right? It's just number one. And it sounds so simple. It's so hard. And I think that we all know, we've all been in conversations when people very confidently proclaim, well, you know, I'm the type of person that, and you just go, whoa, like you're really not, <laughs> you know? Um, so, <laughs> you know, that just, that happens, right? We're so sure of who we are sometimes and we're not. So number one, self-awareness, how do you achieve it? Very quick exercise is um, you think of five people who, whose opinion you trust and think people who would be straight up with you. You send them a text message and you say, five minutes. Just don't overthink it. And I'm not going to take it personally. Um, three adjectives to describe me. And then you look for common denominators and you might be quite surprised. So that's number one. Number two, we'll own it and be comfortable with it, right? Just who you are. Because when I'm talking about personal branding to people, and I taught the social media class at Concordia and really predicated it on personal branding and leveraging social media to build your personal brand, a lot of people associate it with, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk's or Simon Sinek's, right? So let's say I'm not as, you know, I don't know, academic or, you know, brainy as uh, Simon Sinek's, I'm not him. Or I don't want to be yelling at people and, you know, throwing F-bombs. I'm not Gary Vaynerchuk. You don't have to. You just have to understand who you are and then be very comfortable with it. And it's really hard to do. It's very hard to be self-aware, but it's also really hard because you, the second part of owning it, because you have to go deep and usually it's vulnerable. And often it's the parts that you have tried to conceal. It's not who you are on, on, on the surface that everybody can see and then kind of everybody relates to and that's comfortable. Um, that doesn't make you stand out. So, for example, in my case, I spent many years concealing the fact that I'm an immigrant. It was hard to do. My accent was very thick, but I really tried to conceal it. That was my pain point. So once I started, you know, slowly dropping the accent and then people would just not mention it anymore and it just became, you know, a non-issue. Um, you know, Marsha, for me, it took very many years to say I was born in the Soviet Union. I grew up in Ukraine. And so I just wouldn't mention it. You know, as many, for example, female entrepreneurs say, I'm not a female entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur, right? And so for me, it was, I'm not an immigrant anything. I'm just like, I'm an entrepreneur or I'm a speaker and whatever. Why do we need to add immigrants? And I started giving talks and I started speaking and I developed a methodology on evaluating companies, company culture and employer brand and things that I was passionate about. And so I don't remember, and those talks were going well, but you know, nothing, like nobody was so overwhelmed with me and you know, falling in love, but they were good enough. And so I don't remember why, but there was a talk that I was given. I don't remember why I came up with this particular content. It was on the topic of personal branding. And I remember I, I, I just felt, okay, I'm going to share how, where I was born and where I come from to kind of share the story, right, uh, et cetera. And so I stand in front of people and a lot of busy entrepreneurs and it's evening time. Everybody's tired. They had a long day of learning activities and events. So everybody's kind of distracted. Um, they also started serving appetizers because it was at a restaurant that had the meat in there. And so everybody's kind of with their phones and with that, just uh, sitting there. And I come out and I say, and I just did, I didn't even say hello, everyone. I just said, I was born in the Soviet Union. I grew up in Ukraine. I was born to a Jewish father, and I was born to a Jewish father, which is why my parents gave me uh, my mother's last name, so that nobody would know that I'm Jewish. 
And so to me, it was such a, you know, kind of part of who I am and my upbringing and kind of a little bit of my story. But at the same time, you know, I, you know, I'm from here, I'm Canadian. And I just felt a silence. Yeah. And everybody put their phone down, phones down, and they just stared at me. And I just had a moment, I got choked up, and I'm like, why was this such a thing, right? Um, but I realized because for me, it was a vulnerable thing to share. And for people, that uniqueness of who I am and my background is what really made me stand out and made them interested. So the next step that I would say for somebody who is building a personal brand is that understand your uniqueness and own it. And if you have a hard time figuring out what your uniqueness is, again, you can engage other people. Um, for that piece, it's better to engage people that don't know you, um, people who are able to uncover it through interviewing you and just usually somebody who's a coach and is able to help you identify that. That's the next step. And then after that, um, you need a platform and you need to, well, if, you, if you're building, if you're owning your own narrative, then that has to translate into content. And then that's the next step, that you need to start speaking. You need to find a platform and you need to speak up and you need to speak out um, and you need to stand out. I find that one of the big problems um, that we have, well, specifically in Canada, is we self-censor so much. We're so afraid of coming off as, you know, too outspoken, too this, too that, and then we stay in the middle ground. Um, you cannot build a personal brand if you don't have a very strong point of view and understanding of who you are, and you're not willing to really consistently talk about things that matter to you. And they can be anything. You know, sewing can matter to you, and that's what you talk about. To somebody else, it could be saving the planet, and that's what they're talking about. The topic doesn't matter. Um, it's what really matters to you. So I think those are the steps. Those are the building blocks, very, you know, um, high level. But they're incredibly important, and they're especially incredibly important. You know, I've always talked about personal branding for thought leadership, for entrepreneurs. But it's incredibly important for people who are exploring the job market right now. You have to stand out. You just, you have no choice. Because otherwise, bias will prevail. You will always be considered out of a job. But if you stand out, then at least you have more of a chance at a job where, you know, dozens, hundreds, maybe even thousands of people now are applying. Oh, there's so much value in what you just shared there. Thank you so much for diving into all of that because I mean, I love, I love all of it and I know that there's going to be some huge takeaways there. So the one thing I want to dive a little deeper on to ask you for your opinion, and I think you've almost like you've touched on it is the fact I, I love the part about standing out. And I think that's, I, I completely 1000% agree is the fact that our uniqueness. And usually I say the things that we try to hide from everyone everyone for our entire life is exactly what our uniqueness is. And we have to step into that. And that might take time and courage to learn how to do that. But that's what makes us who we are. And that's what makes us valuable. So that a part of that is vulnerability. And how do you see that intermixed in all of this? And what has your experience been? Obviously, you shared and said, I love how you just basically dropped right at the beginning of the conversation of your talk. This is who I am. And you have the attention of people going like, oh, my gosh, like because most people don't do that. I love it. I love that you've done that. Um, what have you, what just, what has your experience been in seeing vulnerability in action like this? I believe that um, 
it is not only important, it's core. And if you're not willing to go really deep, then you might as well just stay silent. Um, there is right now um, such an incredible overdose of information, of content, of people posting content, um, that we are becoming desensitized to seeing content and so unless it really stands out. And what stands out, and you know where people make a big mistake, is they feel I have nothing of value to say because I'm not subject matter expert in ABC, right? And yes, of course, like somebody who has very unique expertise, something very niche, um, of course, that they bring huge value by sharing that. Absolutely. But other than that, we all have room and place and platform to share and also stand out if we're willing to go really deep and vulnerability is just connected to going really deep, right? Otherwise, you just get drowned and there's no point. It's extremely difficult to do because, you know, one of the um, one of the people whose work I follow quite a bit, Cam Harold, um, he's written some of my favorite books, um, Double Double, Vivid Vision. Um, he's fantastic. He He's extremely successful. He's the guy who um, grew 1-800-GOT-JUNK from $2 million in revenue to $106 million in revenue in six years. Okay? So, so the guy is incredible with what he does, and the value that he gives on social is incredible. But on the weekend, uh, he did a Facebook Live where he was crying. And he said that he's finding the current situation very difficult and overwhelming, and he shared why. And all of a sudden, in my eyes, he grew from somebody I follow and somebody that I pay attention to, to somebody that I really follow and really pay attention to, right? Um, you know, another thing with social, and we all know that, is that if you're not willing to show both sides of the coin, you know, the great success successful, knowledgeable, everything, and the deep and vulnerable one, um, you, you just become a bit of a robot and you become a bit fake. You know, it's a little bit like our friends who will constantly post pictures, you know, um, of, you know, their happy families and the odes to their husband who cook dinner for them and say, thank you, sweetie, for making this dinner. And I'm like, sweetie's right there. You can just tell him because you're addressing it to him and it's awkward. Um, but people do that on social in uh, business context as well. Um, and it, 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 they missed out on this huge, you know, opportunity to be human and not just be Google that spits out information without making people feel anything. Yeah. I, I think that was just a massive mic drop, honestly. It's <laughs> just here and I just, it's gold what you just said. And I think that it's interesting to hear in the sense because I've built a platform on social media and I, I couldn't agree more in the sense that people do tend to show the highlight reel. That's what they tend to show the highlight reel. And they miss the concept is of the fact that we also are having, it's okay to, to have difficult times and it's okay to do that. But it's, it's still not okay to go online and do the complete opposite and be this blame point screen, all that negative. That's, that's different. That's the opposite of the highlight reel. It's interesting to hear you say, as I'm fairly new to LinkedIn, as how people do that in business as well, like showing the highlight reel in business as well. And I think right now, especially, 
That's got to be a, I mean, there's, I can't think of anybody that this is not impacting on some way, shape or form right now with COVID. Like it's, it's just to be online and say that this is just, you know, everything is perfect and all good is a really a big misconception. And from a few of the, the, a number of different videos and things that I've watched and trainings that I've done in the last month, it talks more about, I love the fact that the separation from the real and authentic is going to become even more visible right now because it's you, there's nothing to hide behind. I mean, Jet Set Life and all of the beautiful pictures and all the stuff. I mean, we're all in our house right now, <laughs> like literally in some way, shape, or form. We're all in some form of isolation right now. So if it's coming down to content, now it's content. Now it's not the fluffy stuff. It's the actual content. So now is more important to tap into that and be the real person now on social media. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. And you know what's interesting? I do have a very hard time, and I think this is my Soviet background, I have a hard time showing weakness and showing struggle, right? So I'm very comfortable being vulnerable and authentic with my emotions, but it's very hard for me to outwardly show doubt, struggle, failure, etc. That's really hard. But, um, you know, so an example of something that happened uh, three to four weeks ago. So as we were um, just realizing what's going on, isolation was already enforced and we were all at home um, and, you know, the reality started you know, becoming quite, quite daunting. I remember going on LinkedIn and writing a post saying, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I did use the, the words, it is tough right now, mm-hmm. probably eight times. Like it's tough to be a parent, tough to be an entrepreneur, tough to be everything, right? And I put it out there and two things happened. One, the outpouring of messages and comments that I received, first of all, was overwhelming. I did not realize that that many people cared. So that was overwhelming and led to a lot of very heartwarming tears of just feeling reassured. But number two thing that happened, Marsha, and a lot of people say, you know, Links is not the platform for this. And, you know, Facebook or go somewhere else, not LinkedIn. Here's something else that happened. I had a client message me saying, is it really hard? Is it really tough? What's going on? So we connected and I said, listen, who knows? And this is what's happening and just responded to her. Um, She said, what's going on with the team? And I told her that we had to do a temporary layoff. Um, And she said, you know what? Um, I could use help on my team. Would you want me to take three people from your team um, and we could do a contract and a collaboration, et cetera. And she said, you know, I was about to reach out to another firm to just outsource work to them, but maybe we could have this collaboration. This only happened because she saw my post. She's known me for a while. She knows that, you know, what type of a business I own. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just did not come to mind because they, usually people see me as, you know, go, go, go. Everything is great. Everything is this. So when she saw that post, her reaction was, how can I help? We spoke. I have three people from my team now that are on contract with her. It's huge help to the business. And so not only did I get that emotional ROI, on vulnerability, right? What was my investment? My investment was putting myself out there. Not only did I get that incredibly reassurance, support, you know, just outpouring, it was overwhelming, but there was also tangible financial business ROI in that. And who could have predicted that? 
I just, I think, I thank you so much for sharing that. I think that's beautiful because I always say like the, some of the best connections, the best experiences come from learning how to be vulnerable. And it's again, being in a vulnerable space of just, this is real, like this is real and who I am. Vulnerable is not blaming or pointing fingers. It's just stating emotions as it is. And that's our best way to connect. That is, in my opinion, that is one of the best ways that we create connection is by being real, authentic, and vulnerable. Well, you have given us so much, so much value that I completely appreciate your time. And I know that you're navigating this COVID time just as everyone else. So I completely appreciate your time. I have a couple quick questions for you, but I would love to be able to direct people to you and how can they connect best with you? Where can they find you? Um, so as much as uh, we're in isolation in our homes, the best place to find me always is not my home, but it's LinkedIn because that's where I really live. <laughs> um, I really do live on LinkedIn. I um, respond almost instantaneously. I also respond to every single message that I get. Um, sometimes that means, you know, hours per day, um, but I absolutely always respond. LinkedIn is my, my sandbox. Awesome. We'll make sure that the connections are there for in the show notes for people to connect with you. So I have two quick questions for you to wrap this up so that I can make sure that this is something that um, people can know where to find you and or know how to connect with you and know more about you. So we talked a little bit about impact and what drives you before. And I just want to tie a bow back to that is the impact that you personally want to make in this world. What does that look like? My why is to empower people and to give them a platform to stand up and to speak up about things that really matter to them. Simple and I love it. Absolutely love it. The last question I have for you is what lesson in life are you most grateful for? The, the, one of the lessons that I'm most grateful for, are, as you hear my children screaming in the background, is all the lessons that I'm learning about myself right now um, in the spirit of self-isolation. You know, my business is in peril. Um, financially, it's a struggle. I have a lot of question marks and concerns. But I have to say what I'm profoundly grateful for in this period is just all the lessons that I'm learning. Um, I've learned that making individual impact is something that makes me, you know, jump out of bed in the morning. I didn't know that. Um, I'm learning a lot about myself, you know, as a parent. I'm learning a lot about myself as a partner, a lot about myself as a businesswoman. So I'm not giving you a specific lesson right now, but I can tell you that this particular period in time has been accelerated learning for me, both personally and professionally, unlike anything I would have ever envisioned. Oh, I, that is such a beautiful answer because I, I think that that's perspective and that's how you're taking this time and looking at it. I would love to ask you, I said that was the last question, but I do have to ask you one more. How, what advice could you give to, I'm going to say women right now. What advice could you say to women right now who are in this space of dealing with COVID they are at home. They are trying to work their full-time job. They're dealing with kids. There's nothing against dads. Don't get me wrong. Don't, please don't. I have just, in the last week alone, I have probably 
spoke to four moms who are, you know, have very busy, successful jobs, are trying to navigate it, trying to do, trying to do it all. And they're at the scenes just feeling like they're pulling apart. What advice could you share with them? I need some advice myself. <laughs> Here's the on this please. topic. <laughs> on this topic. You know, um, advice, no. But what I would say is we really are in this together, just in very different ways. Um, I think it's important also to recognize, you know, because we hear a lot of, you know, we're in it together, but we're in it together in to different extents, right? Some people have got it a lot, a lot worse right now. And some people, you know, we can enjoy a lot of privileges, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my heart goes out to a woman that's trying to hold it all together and is a single mother. Right. We're hearing stories about women um, trying to do grocery shopping with their kids because they're single mothers and being turned away because they're told that kids right now, for some reason, are not allowed. Right. Um, So my heart goes out to, um, you know, my heart goes out to a woman who is living in an abusive relationship and is not allowed to leave house right now. Right. Um, My heart goes out to a woman who um, maybe has substance abuse problem, has been working and not dealing with that. But we all know that loneliness and isolation are killers for people who are going, for example, through, um, you know, the AA program, etc. So I think that, you know, in those moments when I'm pulling my hair out because my four-year-old is screaming in the background as I'm being a guest on the podcast and I am, um, you know, losing sleep over my business, which might not survive what is happening right now. And, you know, trying to juggle it all and thinking, you know, has my chicken defrosted for dinner? (laughs) That is actually a thought in my mind right now. What gives me perspective is all those women that are struggling a lot more right now and have, you know, a lot more difficulty than I do. Not to, um, you know, trust me, I spend a lot of time in self-pity and feeling bad for myself and talking to my girlfriends about how this is just not fair and not cool. And we should. But my advice would be, if I were to give advice is one, gain perspective because there are people who've got it worse. My second piece of advice, reach out to somebody and be of help to them. That gives crazy perspective. And this is nothing I would have ever told you, Marsha, even two months ago. I never, I just thought it was a bit of, you know, fluffy, you know, advice. Um, But when I'm speaking to another woman and I'm reassuring her and I'm saying, here's my cell phone number. It's an open invitation. You can call me if you need to speak to somebody because I know you're lonely and I'm here for you. That is a monumental shift in how I feel about myself and my own you know, sad and tear-inducing circumstances. So I would say it has been a value and service and gaining, gaining perspective as a result. That's so awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. I, I love, I love, I love all of that. I always say that when I'm at my lowest and I wear it on my wrist, it is my reminder. When I'm at my lowest, I'm having a really difficult time. It says be the change. So it's like, where can I go out and be the change that I would love to see in the world? And that is just, where can I pay it forward? Where can I do something small? It just changes my energy in someone else's. I love it. And you know, it's incredible how easy it is to make a change or make change happen or make an impact on somebody 
simply by reaching out and saying, are you okay? How, how are you holding up? It's as simple as that. It's never been simpler to make impact than it is today. If you know that somebody is, you know, especially a single parent or somebody who's in a difficult circumstance or somebody who owns any type of business and you reach out and say, I'm here for you. Do you need to chat? How are you doing? Um, I can tell you those simple how are you um, brought tears to my eyes. It's so easy to make impact right now in this particular situation. It absolutely is. And an impact is something that is important, I believe, to a lot of us. So I want to thank you so much for your time today, for your realness and vulnerability on the podcast and how you shared your story and what you're here to do. So I just honestly, I honor you and I thank you so much for your time today, Marina. And I thank you so much for yours, Marsha, and your patience with all of the screams around me as well. Thank you. It's all good. It's all good. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. If you love this episode, please submit a rating and review on iTunes and please share it with someone you think could benefit from hearing this message or this podcast. I love connecting and meeting you. So please screenshot the episode and tag me on social media or Instagram stories at Marsha Van W. And until next time, remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life.